0: No, too late. Too late. No, it's Come on. Too late, bro. It's all right. All right, whatever. Right, we it, got 30 wait. seconds. No, not even. We're gonna start it right now. He's talking and I'm not, and I'm just <laughs> 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 And then I'm through. <laughs> <night, bro>. No,
1: <laughs> boy! <but> wait, <laughs> wait, wait! I have something for him! <laughs> Boom!
0: You get shot down.
1: Now you
2: just fucking me, aren't
1: you? <laughs> I'm just wondering why all these people like kids.
2: The Weird History and Eerie Tales Podcast.
1: Concentrate on the zoo. It's what we need. Wow. <laughs> FYI there's nothing wrong. All right welcome
0: everybody <laughs> to another episode of the Weird History Eerie Tales podcast. I am your host Moses Soria and with me as always to my left is my brother Josh. Hey. And to his left is uh complaining
3: Archie because my cable fucking sucks. Hey, my
2: cable fucking sucks. I need to sucks. fix my
3: cable. I mean I wanted to change it but they won't let me because we got to start the episode. So ASAP. We got to start the episode as soon as possible.
0: Yeah. Some of us got things to do later on yeah. but
3: for today's topic, we're going to be talking about one
0: of my favorite authors and a huge influence on me, like, personally, is a great Howard
3: Philip Lovecraft. Yeah, I almost feel like I, I don't want to misinform. Oh, I will check you. I will get checked. I will, I will get check wrecked.
0: you. I went, I, my brother knows, I went through a stupid, like, Lovecraft phase. It, was, it lasted, like, two years, right? Anything that had Lovecraft on, it, I would buy. At the same time that
3: it. Chino was also reading Lovecraft, because he's the I, one that
0: introduced it to me. Yeah, I got my cousin Abraham into it, who yeah. he just introduced it to you. Yeah. yeah, I was like stupid into it. Like I bought everything. I had shirts. I like we like even in our studio, we have Lovecraft memorabilia. Up. Yeah, Reanimator? So, like, we have oh yeah, we have the reanimated poster. We have a H. P. Lovecraft Cthulhu to your right, and yeah. then we have the Great As It Thought God up uh, up on top of the
3: fucking Josh studio. Josh gonna talk about later. <laughs> the Great.
0: Yeah, so. Do you guys remember? When what? you guys were introduced to Lovecraft? I know I introduced you. I introduced my brother to Lovecraft. Well, <laughs> Gino, but here's the shirt. thing.
3: And as many of you who already read through some Lovecraft stuff, his fucking language is hard as fuck to understand. And so when I first, like, picked up the book, was like, dude, you got to read this. And I'm like, all right, cool. So I read it. I had to reread that same fucking line at least seven times. Yeah, you, you were to just like, what? And even Why? then I was like, I still don't get it. Like...
0: You knew what he was saying. No, like you had a vague idea. Like, uh-huh. okay, I kind of know where he's going uh-huh. with this. Uh-huh. Like, a, like a little like weird fun fact about Love—he was real anal about his fucking stories, which is why it's so fucking descriptive. Uh-huh. Uh, the great S.T. Joshi, who's like a huge fucking Lovecraft e- expert, mm-hmm. he has a h- bunch of annotated books and notes or whatever. That's what I need. I yeah. need spark notes. Well, he ha- <laughs> like like I've listened to interviews and stuff where he says like there are notes of the stories where. He goes over it. like There's like nine different versions of a story before he even puts it out. And even when he puts it out, after those nine different revisions, he fuck, he's always hated his story. Like Lovecraft is that famous, like, he, you are, you know, each artist is your toughest. Uh, it's going to be like, you are your own tough critic. Mm-hmm. That was Lovecraft. He hated his stories. He, he fucking hated his stories.
3: So, Achie, you were going to talk about his uh, autobiography. You were going to start it off with yeah, talking
0: about his autobiography.
3: Yeah, I'm going to tell him, because with me... I feel like I got to know the person first before I understand the stories. And I feel with Lovecraft, especially his, the way he, he writes, the way he introduces his topics is so specific to him. I almost feel like, you know, it, his own language, is, he has his own language in, in his books, kind of like, I, I mean, informally Lovecraftian language, if you will. And so I wanted to find out a little bit more about, you know, his upbringing to what led him to write these type of stories. And so, here we go. To be honest, this is one that I suggested. So, again, I'm no expert on this. And I know Moses is going to be here freaking checking me every (laughs) single, even my own sentences, (laughs) bro. You kind of misspelled that one. But anyways, um, I was interested in this man, especially for the fact, you know, this guy had a large realm of influence from authors to death metal musicians that I think Moses or or Josh will. Oh, I will pick up on that later on in the episode. You got it. That, I didn't me. even know. Anyways, he inspired horror fiction authors. Neil, one of the authors for Coraline, and then S- Stephen fucking King. Yeah, Stephen King. He, I did. He not speaks know that highly. I
0: mean, you can kind of tell his influence because of his stories. Like, what was that one movie? The, is it The Fog? The, the mist? mist. The, the mist, mist. The yeah. mist is a Lovecraftian mm-hmm. movie because you don't know. I they, didn't even know that. Because I mean, it's not a Lovecraft, but it has it has love. You could tell us this is Lovecraft the Lovecraft the Lovecraftian, the Lovecraftian influence yeah. on King because all you just see is like this fucking menacing thing, alien thing coming uh-huh. from out of nowhere and you just see tentacles coming in and out. You know, that's Lovecraft's thing, uh-huh. like tentacled aliens. And it's dark. Dark. And then it has that plot twist at the very end. If you guys don't remember The Mist. Well, are you, ta- are you talking about the movie or are you the, talking about... The, the movie. I've never read Stephen King's uh, Mist. I, uh-huh. I haven't really read a lot of Stephen King actually.
3: Yeah. I mean, I read a few of his books. They're, they're very... They're straightforward. I wouldn't say simple, but they're straightforward. Anyways, like that's one of it, one of the, the people that L- Lovecraft inspired. And in this segment, I wanted to focus on, the, again, the upbringing of this man and how one of the greatest horror authors and known as one of the great horror authors of his time, whether, I mean, he was publicized or not to the rest of the world because I didn't even know much about H.P. Lovecraft and all the influences that he brought up until, yeah. you know... I started reading more about him and first of all i would like to give a huge shout out again to moses for letting me borrow the biographical novel of lovecraft written by charlotte montague i will be referencing much of my material from this book so if any of y'all lovecraft newbies like myself definitely grab this book if you want to know more about him and his famous works.
0: I'll put the link up on the show notes. Here. You can find it on Amazon or on like uh, Barnes and Noble so mm-hmm. in case anyone's interested because that is a really good book. Because that book is just literally about Lovecraft, uh-huh. it, it breaks down every his whole life. It's short, it's a unfortunately, it's a short life, yeah, but it's just it's a book about his
3: life nonetheless. Uh-huh. And then you see a lot of his, I guess, is it artist depictions of his works or he himself? He has he
0: drew a few like depictions of his own, like he drew Cthulhu. Uh-huh. like in the story of uh, The Call of Cthulhu there uh-huh. is this it talks about like in statue. the story the little statue of the tentacled creature standing over it like a gargoyle mm-hmm. and in the and in the in his story notes he actually drew that so that's where we get the f- depiction of Cthulhu like that's one of like Many of his creatures, we don't know what they looked like except, uh, aside from the description he gave, and even then, his description is just like super vague. It's like all oh, this, like he spends a whole story talking about building up to this monster, and then when it's time to describe the monster, he just goes. It's indescribable, so you're like, "Fuck you,
3: man!" Yeah, you're like, "Fuck you." Oh, yeah, How you, especially yeah. try, like trying to struggle with what the fuck yeah, you're saying?
0: Yeah, yeah, like he just talked like he ends the story talking about like, oh, there's there's um, you know, like there's uh, fucking Eldritch horror that's indescribable that any human sees it will go mad. You'd be like, "Fuck," Son you. Son of they're yeah, like, "Fuck you," the man. fucking build up <laughs> for that, the dude. incredibly creative, uncreative man. I mean, that's a good cop out. You know, he just builds up the whole story, and at that's the end of the story, he's just up. like. Yeah, like, you guys wouldn't comprehend it. Like, the whole as a hot thing, which my brother's going to bring up later. Like,
3: he lives outside of time and space? Fuck you. Like, fuck you. Little shit, man. Anyways. So, Howard Phillips Lovecraft, as he was formerly named, was born on August 20th of 1890 in Providence, Rhode Island. His father was Winfield Lovecraft. His mother was Susie Lovecraft. And I bring his parents up because they are two significant players in the impact of Howard's life. Lovecraft was... Uh, an only child and his parents were very well off, especially since Susie Phillips' father, Wimple Phillips, was a successful businessman at his time. Wimple Phillips first started as a teacher for a short term around the 1850s in the Foster area. After marrying his first cousin, Alzado Place, he had five children, including Howard's mother, obviously. And so it began his journey as a businessman by owning a general store in 1855 to a couple of years just enough to launch his career as an entrepreneur and making investments in land ownership. This, however, was the start and the end of his career and soon life due to his ambitious business decisions of going to water damming business in Owee County in southeast Idaho. Between 1887 and 1890, he built a dam near a town that he himself owned at the cost of $70,000 at the time. In 1890, however, the disaster struck when the dam burst due to a high water pressure. In 1893, he decided to give it another shot and building another, d- another dam and finishing it around 1890. Fortunately, by then, though, he decided to sell his company to fir- four purchasers. Oh, correction, five purchasers. But unfortunately, the company was only valued at $9,000. So obviously, it wasn't nearly as enough as the amount of investments he put in into the company. But the final nail to the coffin was when the dam yet again burst only four years after the company was sold. This was not only a disaster for Wimple, but for the Lovecraft family as well. And in a few months later, he died of a stroke, most likely due to the stress, at the age of 70. Due to the failure of his business, left the Lovecraft family with very little inheritance. So that's one of the small upbringings that led to the disaster of You know, his family not being able to, you know, take care of themselves because his grandfather was really the one who was bringing in the money for the, the Lovecraft family. And the death of Howard's grandfather had made such a huge impact on him to the point where he was contemplating suicidal thoughts at only the age of 14. But what drove him from otherwise committing the act was his curious mind, however. He said, quote, certain elements, notably scientific curiosity and a sense of world drama held me back. One of, one of the reasons why um, his grandfather was such a huge influence on him, I guess, wasn't so much him, his, his grandfather himself, but what his grandfather held in his house, which was this huge library that contained a mecca of medieval and gothic literature that he fell in love with author, authors such as Alan Poe and Lord Dunsany. Yeah, Lord Dunsany. So, like Lord Dunsany, he's a uh, like Lovecraft.
0: When uh, when it comes to Lovecraft, you could basically split his uh, literary career into three different segments. Like I was mentioning it to you guys earlier, uh, before the show started, while well, I was mentioning it to my brother, there's his Lord Dunsany era, where it's like his more dreamy, ethereal stories, like at the Wall of Sleep, where it's not there's no there's no like cosmic horror, there's no like Eldritch horror, just like and. It's just like sleep stories, which is like, I've tried, those are really hard for me to read, mm-hmm. his early stuff, just as Lord Dunsany. I've actually read, actually, when I was when I went through my uh, Lovecraft phase, uh-huh. I actually purchased like a Lord Dunsany, like Bible, where he came with like 50 of his favorite stories. And you could tell the influence of Lord Dunsany on Lovecraft. Like Lovecraft, because there are, sec- like Lovecraft is really, he was really big into like descriptive, Literature and Lord Dunsany kind of fell in that vein, so mm-hmm. you could tell there's a lot of influence in Lovecraft. And Lovecraft, some of his main influences were Edgar Allan Poe and then Lord Dunsany, and you can kind of see the two in Lovecraft, like that beautiful, descriptive, horror Victorian uh-huh. like stories that he had. The funny thing about the Lovecraft, like about Lovecraft, about um the his, his grandfather's library, he actually wanted to become an astronomer. Like, that yep. was, yeah, he wanted yep. to become an astronomer. I don't know if you're going to bring it up in a little bit. Well,
3: sort of, not really. It's just like talking, like, his influence on the cosmos and stuff. Yeah. Like and how that, that brought up into his books. And
0: that, and when you find out at an early age he wanted to become an astronomer, you kind of piece things together, like, oh, no wonder he, all of his fucking monsters are like outer uh-huh. space aliens and stuff like this. Uh-huh. But the reason he did become an astronomer is because he's like, oh, I have to go to school for this. Nah, fuck that. And he drops out. I don't think he, I don't even think he went to high school. I think he just completely dropped out. It was one of those. I mean, it, was, no, in the, it he, was in the early 1900s. He went, but yeah, yeah he, he never finished. Right? Right, he yeah. never finished. It was one of those times, it was like one of those, in that era where, like, oh, how can we not go to school? I don't want to go no more.
3: All right, well, I guess you're just going to work. Yeah. Because yeah. you're never forced to actually go to school. It was yeah. like, a, I guess, a privilege to want to go to school. Yeah, it, was it was like a thing, choice. like, oh, you, yeah, you want to go to school?
0: Yeah, go to school. I mean, you don't have to go to school because there's males. there's all this shit where you could make a living, but it's uh-huh. like, you want to go to school? Yeah, you can go to school. Lovecraft's like, nah, I'm good.
3: Yeah. He was, he was such a, like, I guess. What's that word? Antisocial person, I guess. He's introverted. He's super, He was really introverted. Uh-huh. I mean, and, and then I'll bring up what is many of the reasons. Well, but two of the main reasons was his mom and dad, why he became such an introverted character. And so his father, Winfield, uh, in 1893, however, he was uh, admitted to an insane asylum after the whole fiasco with his with his business his, yeah with his business well with his grandfather's business and his business as well and he was admitted to the butler hospital for showing symptoms of mental disease according, psychosis yep and according to hospital records he would say strange things at time and his his skin grew pale and thin and flesh and the first two days he was admitted uh he was very violent and extremely noisy and winfield stayed as a patient for only five years when he died of syphilis and so Susie was only left... The mother was only left with his son and began a strange relationship between mother and son.
0: I want to kind of take it back a little bit when you, when you talked about how he was a recluse. Uh-huh. Like how he was like... Uh, like he didn't really like going out. Like he rarely went out, like in general, especially during the daylight. And like I have this little quote where he basically just goes, I am essentially a recluse who will have very little to do with people wherever they may be. I think that most people only make me nervous... Only by accident and in extremely small quantities would I ever be likely to come across people who I liked. Like, even from the he knew, he's like, yeah, I don't like people. Like, why am I going to go outside? Like, they annoy the shit out of me. I don't like you.
3: I don't yeah. like you. I mean, Especially uh, you. That was the reason why he was so pale. Like, there, there's been some descriptions, I think, from his mother of, of him being so pale because he's always he was always in the attic reading. Right? Yeah, he was always like, indoors. He's indoors. Yeah. And so after the death of Howard's father, his mother became very protective of him. So motherly that, in fact, it affected his basic social skills. There would be a time H.P. Uh, Lovecraft experienced mental episodes at school and, we, and he himself would remove himself from school. Of course, at, at this time, like we mentioned, the kids weren't forced to go to school. So you kind of come and go as you please and be re- removed for however long you want to. The impact of Susie's husband's death was so grand that she developed a love-hate relationship with his son and due to his son's behavior. She exclaimed even to neighbors that the reason to why her child acted the way he did was because she considered him as a hideous son. This happened so often to the point where Lovecraft himself would start to believe and give in to the comments of his mother's opinions. I believe this is mainly because this is the reason as to why Lovecraft would retreat to the attic Uh, Very often to read his books and start gaining his dark imagination. That was basically the foundation for most of his books. Okay. And reasons because of of this as well. His mother, his mother, fun fact, I guess, or not so fun fact, was actually also admitted to the same mental institution that her father was. They both died in the same. I can't find the reason why, though. Did you happen to know? The mother? Yeah. Or did, or is it because she was also diagnosed with psychosis?
0: I think I think that's what I, I think that's what it was. Uh-huh. I think she became like she had a mental breakdown as well, and like I, I'm almost positive that's what happened because Lovecraft like during in his letters, uh-huh. like because he would he would write shitload of letters. Yeah, like it's estimated he wrote like a hundred thousand letters. Let me see. I think I got you on that one. Yeah, but like I think, it's, yeah, 000, like 000. over a hundred thousand. Like, oh, fuck, and, and and they weren't like half a page. No, these no. mother, this fool, motherfucker, was writing letter. like twenty-five, thirty-page letters. Like twenty-five, thirty pages is one letter. Uh huh. Like he, like he would have loved text messaging. He would have loved the internet talking to strangers. He would have loved it. Hey Lovecraft, what's your favorite color? Black.
3: <laughs> black. <laughs> it would have be but, that simple, though. Yeah, but like ten <laughs> would, pages of describing he, yeah. the color black. Yeah. <laughs> Following that his antisocialness still continued even after he married his wife, which was what was her name Sonia yeah Sonia yeah, yeah shadow, no not, not my Sonia but anyway <laughs> what's oh, no weird shit. about what's weird about that though is that her personality was so different from lovecraft himself because she was. Extrovert. she talked to everyone she knew everyone and like she was this big jolly person compared to lovecraft yeah
0: like she used to sell hats like that was her thing yeah she she would sell hats and she would go to the city she would like let's go to the city and he'd be like no i want to stay fucking here in new england True. like i want to stay here like she's like i don't want to go to new york i don't want to go to boston i don't want to go to these places i want to stay here because he loved the atmosphere he loved the gothic atmosphere mm-hmm. and she's like no let's go to the city let's go to the city and he ended up going to the city with it. i think it was chicago or i forgot which yeah, one yeah. of the cities it was uh-huh. and he was fucking miserable he would write letters saying i don't want to fucking be here this place is a piece of shit and like the weird thing is like lovecraft was like Wait, his writing letters to who. To his to his, to his correspondence. Because he had oh, okay. correspondence. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. To the fans. Yeah, to like his like many fans. And then he moved back. And then in the span of a year, he wrote like his greatest novellas. He wrote the Call of Cotillo. He wrote the, the Mountains of Madness. He wrote the Dunwich Horror. Like he wrote most of his like his But this is when he moved back or when yeah, he was over there? No, when he moved back. Oh, okay. So, but because people don't like there's a like like was he so happy that, to be back home that he was inspired uh-huh. that he just wanted to write? Or the fact that he was so miserable. That it inspired, inspired everything.
3: Have. I mean, I would think it would be that thing, especially after all the misery he's gone through in his life. His, yeah, his he looks life, like he's one of, like, he will right? feed off of like that. Like, he, he, he's waiting for that episode to happen for him to, like, bam, here's the next story. Yeah. But um, what I wanted to say is the reason, I mean, from what I read, the reason why he, he married his wife in the first place was because they actually had a huge interest in, in literature together. That's what, what was one of the main reasons, despite all their other differences. That's what got them together, which makes sense. I mean, with Aww. with Lovecraft himself, and I think S- Sonia even got inspired by Lovecraft to write her own novel. Yeah, correct. Yeah, she wrote like she wrote her stories, and like
0: I don't know much about Sonia, but like one of the like uh, like one of those like fuck like things about the whole relationship is he would write letters to her. He would send her stories, like drafts of things we would we don't we to this day we're never gonna find out and when they ended up breaking up she literally went to the backyard and burned everything he she burned stacks and stacks and stacks of letters imagine how much yeah imagine like not even like yeah of course like the money but but just the fact that all these stories all the stories that could have all these and even to 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 this day to this day people are finding letters from what? like pe- to this day, people are go to the grandparents' house and the grandparents' grandparents, they were a correspondent with Lovecraft and they have correspondence from, from Lovecraft. They have letters. Like this is letter like it was a recently, it was like maybe 2013, 2014, was someone found the letters like, Hey, I think this is like a, a Lovecraft letter. And they sent it to the um ST Joshi, who's mm-hmm. like a, the the Lovecraftian expert. Mm-hmm. They sent it over to S. T. Joshi, and S. T. Joshi was like yeah, this is legit. This is this is legit. This is Lovecraft letter. Not only was it an unfound letter, but it was like an important letter. Like it was a described it was, that letter was written like in a pivot of like moment in Lovecraft's life. Or like it just it gave like it added another piece to the Lovecraft puzzle. Yeah. Like so if you guys, if there's anybody in the East Coast, you know your grandparents have lived in New England or lived somewhere or if you knew your grandparents were authors in the 50s and the 60s and in the 40s, chances, not chances, but there is a chance that they were a fan of Lovecraft. And if they were a fan of Lovecraft, more often than not, they corresponded with them and they might have a Lovecraft letter somewhere
3: in their attic. I mean, if we have any listeners out there, start checking your letters. Check your shit. Yeah. yeah. We, we would love to freaking see one of those.
0: Yeah. Like you can actually go
3: online and look at all the
0: like the letters. Like there's a... I think it's S.T. Joshi. Uh-huh. I think it's St. Joshi because he, he's he's written so many books about Lovecraft. He's like the expert. I've said it. I'm gonna keep saying it throughout the whole fucking episode. But I think he has a book with all the printed Lovecraft letters where you could just go out and read the Love, like what he wrote. And like you read his letters, you're like, oh yeah, this is Lovecraft. Like this motherfucker spent like a page and a half describing this fucking meal, mm-hmm. like about how bad it was. Son of a-
3: <laughs> Imagine all the <that> hatred, bro. <laughs> Anyways, um. But yeah, that those those are the, the main points that you know I started off. But anyways. Yeah, and you know, so I you know, like
0: actually was talking about, he grew up his he grew up with pain. Like his yeah. Both of his come on, his, both of his parents were diagnosed with the, to the same fucking hospital. Like they were uh-huh. interned in the same fucking hospital. Uh-huh. You know, and Lovecraft his story like I mentioned earlier. He has, like, these three – there's three different versions of Lovecraft. Like I said, the Lord Dunsany era. Then there's Lovecraftian horror, Cthulhu mythos era. And then we have his, like, regular Edgar Allan Poe-ish stories. But there's themes in Lovecraft stories. And I want to talk about a little bit, like, of those themes of – in the themes of those – love in those Lovecraft stories. Like, one of the themes that you could literally find in – that's really common is the forbidden knowledge theme, you know, like forbidden, like dark, esoterically veiled knowledge is like a central theme in many of like Lovecraft's works. Many of his characters are driven by curiosity or scientific endeavors, like the lurking fear, for example. And in many of his stories, the knowledge they uncover proves Promethean in nature, either filling the secret with regret for what they have learned, destroying them psychologically, like the call of Cthulhu. When those sailors find Cthulhu and the ones who managed to stay alive went crazy because they saw Cthulhu, and/or they're just completely destroying the person who holds you know this knowledge at all. And then, you know, another theme you can find in Lovecraft are the non-human influences on humanity. The beings of Lovecraft's mythos often have human servants. Cthulhu, for instance, he's worshipped under various names by cults among the Greenlandic Inuit and the voodoo circles of Louisiana, and the Louisiana voodoo tribes you could there actually are in the Lovecraft story. And many, you know, and in many other parts of the world, these worshippers served a useful narrative purpose for Lovecraft. Many beings of the mythos were too powerful to be defeated by human opponents. And so and so horrific that direct knowledge of them meant insanity for the big, for the victim when dealing with such beings, Lovecraft needed a way to provide exposition and build tension without bringing the story to a premature end because basically these aliens were too powerful they were too like too whatever you want to describe it that they you couldn't comprehend it mm-hmm. you couldn't comprehend these stories like i mentioned earlier like when he wrote up a story like he you know, this whole story is built up to the monster and then when it comes to the monster it's indescribable because you couldn't you couldn't fathom it so in order for him for for some of his works for some of the stories to work, you would have to have a religion or, like, these servants who knew about these gods who were, like, trans. Experts of Yeah. Yeah. Or, yeah. And then another one. Another theme is the inherited guilt, which is the idea that descendants in the bloodline, they can never escape the stain of crimes committed by their forebears, at least the crimes that are atrocious enough. Descendants may be far removed both in place and times. Like, for example, his famous Rat in the Walls, again, The Lurking Fear, and The Alchemist. If you guys haven't heard about, if you guys, have you guys read The Lurking Fear? That's my all-time favorite Lovecraft story.
3: Lurking Fear? It's called no. The Lurking Fear.
0: It's about this, uh, like, short, like, long story short. This, uh I think he's a reporter. He goes into this, he goes into this town, this town. During thunderstorms, people go missing, people start dying. And he's like, what the fuck is going on? The city and the town are like, oh, there's this mansion up, up on the hill. That's probably the reason why we're all, we know, we don't know why, but it has something to do with that hill. And he goes and explores and it turns out that, that the, the, t- the people who live on that hill, they've lived in that hill for hundreds and hundreds of years. And they've bred incessantly, like with incest, to the point where they just reproduced hundreds of thousands of these creatures, these two-eyed, blue-eyed, red-eyed creatures that lived underground. That's part of like the inherited guilt mythos or like theme that Lovecraft talks about, and one of his other themes is religion because we know we all kind of figured Lovecraft isn't too big on God. True, you know. So Lovecraft's works—they're all ruled by several distinct, you know, pantheons of deities who are you know, they're actually aliens worshipped by humans who are either indifferent or actively hostile to humanity. Lovecraft's actual philosophy has been termed the cosmic indifference. And this is expressed in his fiction. Several Lovecraft stories of the Old Ones, aliens being of the Cthulhu mythos, propose the alternate mythic human origin in contrast to those found in the creation stories of existing religions, expanding on a natural worldview. For example, in Lovecraft's At the Mountains of Madness, which is another favorite of mine, it is proposed that humankind was actually created as a slave race by the Old Ones, and that life on Earth as we know it evolved from scientific experiments abandoned by the Elder Things. Protagonist characters in Lovecraft are usually educated men, citing scientific and rationalist evidence to support the non-faith. Herbert West in the famous Reanimator, which is the Reanimator in the, the movie and the Reanimator the story, mm-hmm. the Herbert West. They're completely different. Like the Herbert West story takes place in like it's like a forty it's like a forty year story, and the Reanimator movie is like a two day. It takes place in two days, mm-hmm. but I, I it's still one of my favorite Lovecraft inspired yeah like movies Mm -hmm. well you know like the reanimator that reflects on the atheism common in academic circles in the silver key the character randolph carter loses the ability to dream and seek solace in religion but does not find it and ultimately just completely just loses faith lovecraft himself he adopted the stance of atheism early in life in 1932 he wrote a letter to robert e howard which is one of his most famous correspondents he was a writer created of conan the barbarian and in that letter lovecraft said all i say is that i think it is damned unlikely that anything like a central cosmic will or a spirit world or an eternal survival of personality exists they are the most preposterous and unjustified of all the guesses which can be made about the universe and i am not enough of a hairsplitter to pretend that i don't that i don't regard them as errant and negligible moonshine. In theory, I am agnostic, but pending the appearance of radical evidence, I must be classed practically and provisionally as an atheist. So those are some of his central themes. Obviously, there's another Lovecraft, like and like most writers of his time, he's not perfect. He is he was he was racist. And a lot of people kind of put it, you know, they kind of try to like justify it. we're like, well, yeah, he was racist. Because of his time. Yeah. Yeah, not but not everyone back then was racist. Like, it doesn't justify him being a piece of shit. Yeah. And like he was a piece of shit. Like in nineteen <laughs> like he was. Like, come on, in nineteen twelve, how are you gonna write a poem on the creation of niggers? Like he that's one of his poems. Mm-hmm. Like in nineteen twelve, he, he, he wrote that. Like mm-hmm. and um for the longest, like he was um he was the bust, you know, he, he he was like the bust of the let me see, where was it at? I don't know. Yeah, he was like the trophy of the World Fantasy Award. Like, if you were a fantasy writer mm-hmm. and this committee found you, just started to be good, you would win this award. And a lot of people felt uncomfortable getting an award from the Lovecraft, who, you know, in a sense, he was racist. Yeah. Like, he hated, like, he, he was he was so racist, he hated white people. He He hated white people. He hated white people that were not Anglo-Saxons, like like he hated like he did not like Hispanics he didn't like Jews even though his wife ended up she was, was Jewish, jewish? Yeah. he and the only reason he married her was because he was like oh well, she's not like them yeah she's Jewish but she's not like like
3: fuck you you know like fuck you You're the nicer jewish
0: yeah he was like oh mm-hmm. she's yeah she oh she's, she's not like the other kind. she's she's not like she's not a Jew, Jew like fuck <sighs> you if you weren't protestant british lineage so you were he, part of the master he, race yeah he, he thought of you like as a as lesser of him uh-huh. and like he as he grew older he kind of I, I don't want to say he kind of let up but his racist views and his stories or he kind of awesome. yeah he kind of went away from it because yeah, he kind of back was right? that mentioned in the book which one
3: this book his, uh, the one you read i didn't go deep enough yeah me, because it, it mostly talks about like a short autobiography mm-hmm. but not so much of his xenophobia more about his works itself Huh. So like you talk about Caligula and stuff like that.
0: Even some of his characters are just like caricatures mm-hmm. of like ra- like he's like super racist stereotypes mm-hmm. of like Jewish people and like when he would talk about Jewish people he would talk about hook nosed bastards. When he would talk about like black people he'd just go into like these racist rants like yeah, yeah. Let people, fuck he was, yeah 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 I like I didn't know that guy fuck like so like a lot of people are like yeah, he was the product of his time doesn't. It doesn't excuse him for being a piece shit. of shit. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't excuse him to to a piece him. of shit. So like when I like that's what kind of like ended my Lovecraft thing where it was just like I was like, oh, he was a racist piece of shit. Like I'm he's still one of my favorite writers. He's a huge influence on me, but you cannot deny the fact that he was a fucking racist piece of shit. Yeah. I mean, and I and, and like even those people who are like, oh, just a product of his time, his racism, it is still appears stronger than the general viewpoint. So it's like, yeah, he was racist. A lot of people were racist at that time. But at the same time, they weren't that racist. <laughs> <laughs> like... He, he was on the extreme part? Yeah. Like, he was on, like he was redlining his racism. Like, I don't think he could get any more racist. Yeah. I mean, especially with the way he described things to be... Yeah, like, in some of his stories, like, there's, like, these... For for no reason, he'll just go on random tangents where he'll just go out of his way and just talk about how disgusting he thought this person was, just because. And then you find out toward the end, like, oh, this person was Jewish, like, oh, this person was a Mexican, oh, this person was a, an Irish Catholic. Oh, of course. Gee. And that's one of the reasons why he hated the big city because he was like, oh, I'm, I'm oh, that's I'm, where fucking everything I'm, was. There. Yeah. <laughs> so the <laughs> yeah, diverse like, over there. Yeah.
3: Ah. Uh, okay. Fuck. Man, speaking of diversity, what you got for us, Josh? Are you done? I'm done. Okay. So we talked about his work,
1: mm-hmm. right? Now we're going to talk about Lovecraftian monsters, Fuck yeah. which are Cthulhu, Azathoth, and Nyarlathotep.
0: Nyarlathotep. Nyarlathotep. Did I pronounce that right? I don't. I I these still don't. Know. I, I still these things are ridiculous, dude. How do you even less of these monsters come up with these names? I don't know. Like it's lo- like a tongue twister. Like lo- it's a tongue twister. <laughs> like it's a tongue twister. Love, like his train of thought was like, all right. These are, people are going to read this story, so I need to make the name look cool as fuck. So when you look at the word Nyarlathotep, there's a N-Y-A-R-T-H. You're like, oh shit, of course, this wo- this does look like it's an old name. And even try to pronounce it, you're like, oh, I fucking hate Lovecraft, you piece of shit. Make me fucking <laughs> try to pronounce this.
1: Fuck. man, To go to that point where you just want to make your words look cool, that's pretty fucked up, dude. Hey, but as a writer, he's kind of like, <laughs> got, I understand oh. this point
0: of view.
3: Got you hooked, though.
1: Well, probably true. So, starting off with Asa Thoth. Okay. So, I'm going to read a quick passage. Talk to me. Uh, known as A Dream Quest of Unknown Kadeth or Kadath, whatever. Kadath. 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 Okay. Another and, so, 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 in this story, they introduce Asa Thoth. Okay. And the passage goes like this. <clears throat> <clears throat> oh, Outside the ordered universe is is that amorphous blight of nethermost confusion, which blasphemes and bubbles at the center of all infinity. My head already hurts. The boundless demon Sultan Azathoth, whose name no lips dare speak aloud, who gnaws hungrily in unconceivable, unlighted chambers beyond time and space amidst the muffled, maddening beat of vile drums, the thin monotonous
3: wine of a cursed fruit. Ah, uh, sounds uh, like a fucking long ass run-in sentence. When when his whenever I had to read his stuff, I read it, I read it again, but this time I look up at something and just focus on that one thing because I don't wanna I want Your just, mind just fucking goes everywhere, dude. I see I went I even
0: like further. Concentrate. Like, when I first started reading Lovecraft, like I mentioned earlier episodes where I was like, you need a PhD for this piece of shit. Like Someone like, I went online because some of my favorite art, like, for like for me, for those of you guys who do know me personally, like, the Black Dollar Murder is my favorite band of all time. And one of my favorite songs is The Heart Cosmic. And for the longest time, I thought it was about the devil. Because mm-hmm. there's a, but the passages, Oh, Lord, Below. You know, he just talks about things uh-huh. like that. And then later, and then as I went on, I'm like, people are like, no. Like I started doing research or whatever. I think it was an interview where he's like, yeah, that's a Lovecraft. It's about Cthulhu. What? I was like, "What the fuck about Cthulhu Lovecraft?" I remember Lovecraft. If Trevor loves Lovecraft, I honestly love have Lovecraft. to love Lovecraft. Because <laughs> yeah, because yeah, like, wait, so you found this out when you were going through the
1: phase of Lovecraft? No, this was this no, was before. This was way before. Yeah, oh, okay, yeah. yeah oh, this this is during upbringing. I think it was
0: yeah I think it was mm-hmm. like during high school when I found out that fucking uh, The Hard Cosmic off the Unhollowed album was about uh-huh. Cthulhu. So I was like, I need to go back and like read The Hard Cosmic, and that's what made me fall in love with Lovecraft. Like. You, Trevor's lyrics they're just like direct influenced by Lovecraft mm-hmm. that's the reason why I love Lovecraft I was like oh shit Trevor I mean Trevor is a genius but he fucking jocking Lovecraft Lovecraft son is son a fuck, bitch Lovecraft is the stories of Trevor's like lyricism mm-hmm. and that's how I found out about and that's what made me read about I mean that's what made me get more interested about you know in lovecraft and then eventually like he would talk about like yeah when i would read lovecraft i would read it with a dictionary and a thesaurus next to me i was like that's a good idea because there are a bunch of these weird ass words at that time i'm like what the fuck are you talking about i'm oh, missed fuck you what does this mean oh okay among all right cool oh okay after like 20 minutes of doing research i'm like all right i broke this sentence down it just means i am among these monsters all right one sentence down 64 pages to go like did Trevor go to school uh, high school nah. no. no Did just went to college he was just into writing. Yeah, he just yeah. He was really into writing. He's a huge D D nerd, and that kind of puts things into perspective. He too. plays DD too. Yeah. What? Yeah. Fuck you. Next episode on Trevor,
1: dude. <laughs> uh, sorry, sorry for interrupting. But the yeah. mind. Yeah. Of yeah. <clears throat> TB. Anywho, going back to Azathoth. This leads up to the question: What the fuck is Azathoth? Okay, so is he a giant space creature? Some say Azathoth is space and time itself. What
3: the fuck? Mind blow. No, no, no. But it gets worse. All right. Okay. My mind's already exploded. What else you got?
1: Well, guess what? Uh Azathoth, okay, is all. Oh, yeah. That makes sense. He's all. What? No. Yeah, exactly. I'm not high enough to get that one. But let me explain this a little (laughs) bit more, okay? Well, it's true. Azathoth, it's all of existence. Now, let me explain this. You, me, your neighbor, your life, my life, the world's fucking life is a very detailed dream of this as a thought, also known as the blind idiot god. Now, I will explain that later, but now, now, you you may be wondering, what does this mean? We're just a fucking part of his dream? Yeah, exactly. It means we're totally screwed. And here's the reason why. Well, when we dream... We create stories and images in our mind while we are asleep. Our dreams have a sense of reality. A reality that is merely forgotten when we awake. Okay? Now, the point being, Azthos, if he wakes up from his boss deep sleep, this whole dream will come to an end, which is our reality. So technically, we don't fucking exist, according to... The, the whole background story of one <laughs> of, Azathoth of, 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 of Azathoth's. His, so, so, his,
0: no, go on. No, okay, go, go, Yeah, so basically, we're we are we're not real. Our reality is not a reality. We are just a f- small fragment of a dream. We're just that a detailed
3: Azath- dream that Azathoth, that so Azathoth not, is having. So we're not living our lives. We're living the dream. We're of not even, real. We're this not even is, real. This is a dream. If he wakes up, poof, we're gone. In the, just like, like, like in a
1: dream. When you wake up from a dream, you're like, uh oh, you kind of sometimes remember, or sometimes you don't. There's more shit into that, but but check this out. People are saying, well, yeah, there there's less you know of of a you know deity, you know that are playing these drums and flutes to you know play his lullaby to keep him asleep. Uh-huh. But then you ask yourself, wait, are these fucking gods part of the dream? Did he create it in his dream to put him in sleep still during his dream?
0: There's levels to this shit, man. Yeah, so it's
1: like some ascension shit, dude. I'm get, like, bro. Was did Inception get inspired by this fucking I movie? have no Who idea. Knows. I, I don't know. Knows, I, that, I didn't go
0: deep into that. You hear the director?
3: Yes, we did. I wouldn't be
0: surprised, especially like, when you start reading Love, like, when you start getting into Lovecraft, you kind of start realizing like, oh shit. Like, he lent a lot to like pop culture and literature and like even though if it's not like a direct influence where like they uses monsters, some of his themes, some of his were inspired like, by someone yeah, else like, who inspired like, them. Yeah, like Stephen King's a huge like you know Guillermo del Toro. Guillermo del Toro went on to he's a huge Lovecraft fan himself. He's like I've the reason I've into this is because Lovecraft inspired me, amongst other art, authors, of course. But mm. he's always been like if you there's something you like, and you trace, and you start tracing it back. I'm almost positive it's going to lead back to Lovecraft in some way or another. Whether it's not a direct influence, or maybe they were influenced by a Lovecraft influencer. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's. And there's nuts. so many
1: games too there are, there are fucking stories behind fucking board games and mm-hmm. all these video games
0: too. Dude, they he inspired Batman. Love through? I mean, not Batman himself, but like the city Arkham. Yeah, like Arkham Asylum. Is based off of Lovecraft City, the Arkham. There's Arkham University. There's that's borrowed directly from really? Lovecraft. Mm-hmm. The Arkham Asylum, oh. has borrowed because that kind of makes sense. How it's like, oh, the crazy, the loony bin in in Gotham. Of course, it's gonna be influenced by Lovecraft's Arkham, mm-hmm. like the Arkham City. Then there's Arkham University, and then Arkham University, the thing that holds the Necromonicon, It's it goes on and on, but like it's it just
1: filled with fun facts of fucking.
0: I could go on.
3: I could go on. It's stupid. My head hurts. (laughs) We chose a perfect topic, basically. My head hurts. (laughs) We chose his (laughs) perfect (laughs) topic.
1: Correction. So, where was I? That's a thought. Okay. now, Now, we heard of Cthulhu and all these other fucking monsters. It turns out this motherfucker is the father of all these fucking lovecraftian monsters. And there's a whole fucking family tree. There's, 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 so, there's pantheons there's so of much. monsters. I would love a poster so of the family So technically, tree. Azathoth is a grand-grandfather of Cthulhu. And Cthulhu's like way the fuck down there in the fucking family tree. But anywho, now, uh, reading some psychology fucking articles, whatever. Like, why do we dream? Okay, and one of the reasons why we dreamed or why dreams exist is because to process our emotions. Mm-hmm. Since we're a dream and he creates so much shit, is Athathos feeling so lonely? Is he this pessimistic motherfucker who just all by himself just to create stuff so you won't feel that lonely? What do you think, Moose?
0: Yeah, and <laughs> it's true and like like the parallels between like there's a, this huge like yin and yang thing, not yin and yang, but as a thought, he's basically Lovecraft. Lovecraft created all these creatures as thought created these creatures
3: as a thought he's dreaming. Uh, Lovecraft
0: went on to say most of my stories came to me from dreams. Like he would go on and say like I have night I have night terrors uh-huh. I have night guns who I see at night these rubbery things outside my window with these rubbery wings which is why some of his creatures and monsters he describes them as these rubbery tentacled horrors. Mm-hmm. So like when you go on and think about it you're like damn Lovecraft he really like. Uh, Say what you want about the man, about his the way he's writing. There's a lot of people say he's a shitty writer, and like he, you kind of, he, he's he's kind of a one note writer. Like mm-hmm. you, once you read one of his stories, you're like, okay, I kind of know what I'm in, what I'm into. Whether whatever you say about his writing, you cannot. This is his storytelling. Mm-hmm. That's one of my favorite things about Lovecraft. Like he is a phenomenal storyteller. Yeah, some of his writing is kind of hard, like to. Like you guys have said before, like I've said before, you can have to reread, like reread, 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 kinda of train yourself of how to read, how to like take little things from a sentences, and kinda of piece things together so yeah. you understand it. Mm-hmm. But like in terms of like he put himself into these stories, like as a thought is himself. Like some of his protagonists, some of his antagonists, you could tell you're like oh, shit, this is Lovecraft. Lovecraft, he never went out, but he put himself, he's put some of his personality in some of these characters, and that's why some of these characters are, like, these skinny, scrawny, like, Anglo-Saxon white people that come from, like, this rich, like, you know, he's just, he's putting himself into these stories, which is, like, admirable, because he, like, even though he was quiet and he was to himself, like, he kind of did put himself out into the stories. Where, But the, the sad thing is these stories kind of went nowhere in his life. It wasn't until later on. And okay. I'm gonna talk and yeah, I'm gonna talk about that. We'll talk about that later on. Mm-hmm. About how his story is like how if it wasn't for a certain author, August Derleth, we probably wouldn't be here talking about Lovecraft and a lot of things as we know it would not be how they are, which is nuts to think about. Anything else, bro? I have a lot, but I don't want to, talk <laughs> to-
1: Oh shit, wrong question. Okay, so moving on to Cthulhu. Ooh. Okay, uh, Cthulhu is a great-great-grandson of Asa Thon. Uh, Cthulhu has a number of titles in which he goes by, starting with Cthulhu, the High Priest of the Great Old Ones, Cthulhu, the Great Dreamer, Cthulhu, the Sleeper of... I I, I can never... I never, Arlay? Is it Arlay? I have no fucking like, idea. Yeah, you can't... Like, you don't oh, know. What oh, the fuck?
0: Like, you, just pronounce <laughs> how the
1: fuck you pronounce it. Okay. Arlay. Now, going into... His uh, description of how this motherfucker looks like. Well, let me tell you. According to Lovecraft, Cthulhu is a monster of an anthropoid outline. Has essentially an octopus-like head. He is over 100 meters tall. A web-like arms and legs. A pair of what looks like a undeveloped wings. Overall, this big dude looks like a dragon octopus mixed with a humanoid figure. Yeah, yeah.
3: But is the the freaking dude from Pirates of the Caribbean?
0: For whatever reason, he really hated. I don't know if he hated seafood or he was scared of fucking the ocean. But most yeah, so of it. Yeah, but most of his creatures are like there's mixed with like space creatures, mixed with like tentacled, rubbery water, like the like the dagon's or just like underwater creatures, like and. Been, like you could tell like uh, the, the Cthul- like, Cthulhu he was fucking influenced by um, the Kraken been, like this is a huge correlation so as far as like like uh, uh, I forgot what the fuck the, ca- the Pirates of the Caribbean character was I don't it's not Barbosa. I forgot the
3: movie it character is it Barbosa? or Barbossa's, uh the first one from the first Pirates of the Caribbean yeah I think
0: he has the first one well, well look us. it up bro look Well, it up. Why you look it up the one we're talking about the tentacled one from the second movie from the Dark Pearl him black pearl yeah the black pearl that's the dark pearl the black pearl that's more of a that's most likely a kraken influence more than it is a Cthulhu influence but like when we're on the, like when when people think about Cthulhu like when they when when you see Cthulhu or when people mention Cthulhu or when you see the name or hear or whatever, you know one of the first things anyone ever one of the first things people always ask like one of the fucking things people always ask is how the fuck do you pronounce Lovecraft's famous tentacled elder god? Like, how the fuck do you pronounce it? The spelling is stupid. Like I said, Lovecraft was all about aesthetics. It looked cool, so he wrote it down. But in a 1934 letter to amateur writer Duane R. Rimmel, Lovecraft explained how to pronounce the name of this elder beast. And he went on to say, the name of the hellish entity was invented by beings whose vocal organs were not like man's hence it has no relation to the human speech equipment the syllables were determined by a physiological equipment wholly unlike ours hence could never be uttered perfectly by human throats as nearly as any hu- as any human organs could imitate it or human editors record it it may be some it may be taking something like the way he would spell it is K-H-U-L-H-L-O-O. And the way he would say to pronounce it is with the first syllable pronounced gutturally and very thickly. So the K-H-U-L, you'll just, you just gag. That's basically how you would have to pronounce it. You would have to gag it. You'd just be like, and then the U in it is about full. So it's a full. So it's so it's like it's weird. And then the first syllable is not unlike the cluel sound, hence the age represents the guttural thickness. So basically, according to Lovecraft, the, way you pronounce, the correct way to pronounce Cthulhu is you're just going to be like... It's just gaggling, gorgling sounds. But I don't want it to fucking sound like an idiot when I'm trying to talk about the call of... So we just say Cthulhu. Like, we're just going to basically just say Cthulhu. That's how we're just going to go on and just... We're sticking with Cthulhu, all right? We're not going with the... I don't know. I uh, want g- you
1: to pronounce it with the... The, the call the of...
3: <laughs> the call of gargling sound.
1: So, now that you mentioned the short story of the call of...
3: No. Of Cthulhu. Um, I think you accurate, bro. Right? Yeah.
0: I think good. so, too, yeah. man. No, Got to well, yeah, You haven't yet practice from all the throwing the, the, fuck the mic. <laughs> I set myself <laughs> up for that
1: one. Okay. So, the short story, the call of... Cthulhu is essentially this fucking god. Pronounce it correctly. Uh, The call of... (laughs) You happy? Uh, The call of... (laughs) So the short story, uh, The Call of Cthulhu, okay, um, which basically is a story of this fucking god hibernating within the Arlay. It's Arlay City. It's an underwater city in the South Pacific. Essentially, Cthulhu is imprisoned... And it's in the fucking mind of mankind and the subconscious level that when this fucker wakes up, we're pretty much fucked. I personally still haven't read the story. Have you read the story? Yeah. The short that's one, story.
0: Yeah, that's one of my... It's it's up to one of my favorite Lovecraft stories. Like, you kind of have to... Like, it's kind of mandatory. Or like, you're a Lovecraft fan. Or, you're like, yeah, you kind of have to like Lovecraft. I mean, Call of Cthulhu. Uh-huh. Only because it's like... One of like, the most famous works. No? Yeah, it, it is. It's... Yeah. I'm... I don't know if it's. Uh, you know what? Yeah, I think I think that is his most famous work because uh-huh. there's dolls, there's plush toys, there's oh it's everywhere. There's fucking games. There's like Call of too. Like Call, it Call just of Cthulhu. Blew the fuck
1: Cthulhu. Yeah, in Black Ops Three, uh, one of the zombies uh, zombie maps uh-huh. was influenced by. Oh like, nice. Fucking tentacle sorts The of shit. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Technically, uh, he's trapped. Cthulhu will eventually return, and this is part where I'm like I I can't even think of how to pronounce that so since you read the short story his worshippers will chant this
0: fucking
1: ph fucking oh yeah there's H-y-a.
0: yeah they're, they're chanting like the, the, the is this part of an intro of a song yeah I'm gonna talk about it later and hey, it's the, yeah, the fucking created yeah, yeah. of filth intro the mother of abominations
1: <laughs> yeah so translating that whole bunch of fucking letters thrashed against each other is 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 this in his house at art lay dead Cthulhu waits
0: dreaming fuck
1: yeah yeah that's pretty fucked up dude how do you pre- even pronounce that have you tried pronouncing that shit no or is it meant not to be pronounced yeah, a it's, bunch of bullshit yeah but the, uh, uh, yeah. no but
0: there are people like you go online and there's people who like who go on and like shut the fuck yeah up. like who? there's like there's a fest called necromonic uh the necro no uh uh, it's not Lovecraft Fest. I think oh, it's Fets? like yeah, it's called the Necromonicon Fest, I think it is. Uh-huh. Where it's every year in New England where he's from in Massachusetts, yeah, yeah. where they hold because that's where he's from, that's where most of his stories take place. It's like fictional towns and fictional cities of New England, of like Massachusetts, over you know, th- that's where most of his influence, his city's influence from. So a lot of people there's like these fests where you just like a three-day weekend where you just go over there and they have a Cthulhu breakfast they have an honoree, and you could just go on and they open the show they open the breakfast with that chant and people tan it and it's like it's, it's kind of cheesy it's kind of like corny but at Shit. the same time you're just like, like it's you know it's fucking cool and like one of the like one of the only reasons the the reason why I started doing podcast was because of a Lovecraft podcast and it's called the HP Literally podcast that's one of my favorite podcasts of all time to this day I still listen to it they, well, what they do is they go on and read the stories and they talk about the stories. Each episode was like 30 minutes, 35 minutes. Uh-huh. And obviously and then obviously, they run out of stories, and now they're like in the 300 episodes and now they go on and talk about stories that he influenced, and they continue the show. And I, I think for the past few years, they've gone on and done the breakfast, they've come on and done fest, they've done panels. Oh, so cool. if you, so if you guys want, please 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 check them out. They're call the HP. Lovecraft Literary Podcast. It's fucking amazing. That's they're, they're the reason why I'm doing podcasts, just because I just fell in love with them. I'm like, fuck, it looks like it's it was them and Kevin Smith. Those the, the, those two are the reasons why I'm doing the podcast, just because of them too. But I, the reason that Kevin Smith made it look fun, because I'm like, oh shit, he's just bullshitting with his friends. And then the HB it Litter, is fun, yeah. And then the HB later, you know, and then the Lovecraft podcast is just like, oh shit, it's even more fun when you're talking about things that you fucking talk about, you know, that you want to talk about. Mm-hmm. You know, and like I'm like mentioned earlier. There's fests. there's plush toys. His influence is fucking everywhere. We mentioned, we mentioned Batman. There's all sorts of, where his the, video the games. Lovecraft, love video game, video games, card games.
3: No. I mean, I was just gonna say, do they have a pop, a Funko Pop? Yeah, there's a... yeah. Did you a,
0: have one? I have a Funko Pop. I have have a, Lovecraft? Of uh, Cthulhu. Oh, I have my Lovecraft, my Funko Pop. But none of this would have been possible. None of this. I'm ninety. We're ninety-five percent sure that none of this would have been possible without a certain author. And in the Lovecraft community, there's this love-hate relationship with this author. His, he goes by August Derleth. So if you're a Lovecraft fan, you've heard his name before. It's not the first time. It's not going to be the last time you heard of August Derleth. And you know, and a little bit about August Derleth. He was the son of William Julius Derleth and his wife Rose Louise Volk. He grew up. In Wisconsin, and at the age of sixteen, he sold his first story to Weird Tales magazine. Weird Tales magazine is, is an is a monumental magazine in terms of the Lovecraft lore because they basically gave Lovecraft an an avenue for him to post his stories. He always he was the king of pulp fiction. He would always post his stories in pulp magazines, Weird Tales being one of them. Which is why that's part of our name, the Weird History Eerie Tales podcast. I wanted to have like this pulpy feel to it. That's inspired by Yeah, and so like we have like yeah, Yeah, We're we're inspired
3: by HP Lovecraft.
0: Yeah, like even we even the name of our podcast, like I I needed to have like a pulpy sound to you know the magazine. You know, so Durleth, he wrote all he wrote throughout his four years at the University of Wisconsin and received his BA. He received it in nineteen thirty. And during this time he served briefly as editor of Mystic Magazine in the nineteen thirties. He organized a Rangers Club for young people. You know, he served as a clerk and president of the local board of education. Served as a super officer. He did all these things to the side. He lectured. You know, all this. So, you know, like I don't want to go too into Derleth, but he's a huge. Like I said, he's the reason why we have Lovecraft. And, and like I said, without Derleth, we may not have heard of H.P. Lovecraft because like, we've been mentioning all his death after his death. His stories kind of just stayed, in, these magazines went out of business. Then no, no one ever took those stories serious, and it was August Derleth's like, dude, this guy is a fucking genius. We need to preserve his his stories. We need to you know you know do all these things. Derleth, you know, he was a contemporary and a friend of H. P. Lovecraft. When Lovecraft wrote about uh, there's a character, it's really hard to pronounce. It's it's I think it's just pronounced like Comte Arlette. In, it, in one of it, in his stories, it was an Amish, it was an homage to Derleth, you know, and, and Derleth, he invent, he actually invented the term, the Cthulhu mythos, that's where the term came from, it came from him and that that term is used to describe the fictional universe in the series of stories shared by Lovecraft and other writers in the circle, because the cool thing about Lovecraft was, even though he was like this he was really anal about his stories and he kind of wanted to this world this specific view. He actually liked it when people borrowed his work. People were like, Hey, can I place my story? hey, I have this story this can I can can I have can I borrow R.L.A.? Yeah, go for it, dude, go for it. Hey, you know I'm writing the story and I kinda need this book. You mind if I borrow Nicomonicon? The Necromanicon? Yeah, go go for it. Go for it. Go for it. So all these stories, because they have to do with Lovecraft, they were put into the Cthulhu mythos. So that's why there's all these stories, authors, and like the fucking gateway. Dude. He is. Yeah. He's like Jeez. the gateway drug tool. And and like that that's pretty cool. Like unlike fucking token that motherfucker he wanted no one to borrow his middle earth like nope you cannot use middle earth you cannot use my hobbits. you cannot nope 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 mm-hmm. nope no nope. mm-hmm. lovecraft was the complete opposite lovecraft was like yeah, yeah go for it go for it yeah borrow my stories that's fucking cool because like he yeah. said he was kind of a recluse and he kind of like oh shit people want to not only like they like my shit because yeah. you know they like I mean, me he, and then he, he like the sense
3: of his acceptance from his peers like knowing that you know he, his work is being used out there and then he was he wasn't ever rich he was no, no, Lovecraft. No, he maybe grew, he maybe
0: he was maybe born with money, yeah. but he died poor yep. shit. The, he died. I don't know poor where I read shit. it, but
3: the, or sorry, from a documentary about him where he said where they said that he he barely like got ends meet getting like about fifteen bucks a week. Yeah, from he would all the writing that he did. There's
0: letters where he will brag about like, yeah, I could live off five cents a day. I just get a piece of bread for two cents, and I will get a piece of cheese for three cents, and I'll get my coffee, and I'm good for the day. He would brag about it, which had a lot to do with why he ended up dying. You know, he died because of a poor diet. He was sick, obviously. How are you going to get Yeah, he would brag about it. Like, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll eat spoiled beans. These beans have been spoiled for three years. Fuck it. I'll eat them. It's like, dude, no wonder you fucking died at 42. Really? You're eating shit. You're not supposed to be eating. Give it no fucks. Yeah, but anyways, back to their laugh. Durleth. you know Durleth's own writing you know it emphasized the struggle between good and evil and he was a christian so that obviously he inputted his own christian worldview which was a huge contrast with lovecraft's depiction of this immoral universe Drellath also treated lovecraft's old ones as representatives of elemental forces creating entities to flesh out this framework Which is like the complete opposite of what Lovecraft intended. Lovecraft, when he wrote these creatures, he's like, there is no god. Sometimes things don't have to make sense. Shit happens for a reason. That's why he wrote these stories. He's like, these gods, they don't need a reason to kill us. They just want to kill us because they want to. They don't have to have a reason. And Duleth, he went on and Christianized these characters. He went on and Christianized some of his stories. He made... Cthulhu, like we said, Cthulhu was just this elder god who was asleep, and when he would wake up, we'd go we'd go crazy and we'd fucking die. Derleth is like, no, 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 he's a water god, and then Azathoth, he's a space god, and he would make these like, he would give these like, he would put his own Christian influence on some of these characters, and then you know, so Lovecraft ended up dying in 1937, and then Derleth and another individual named Donald Wandre, they put together you know, like they put together a collection of the of lovecraft stories and they try to get them published you know existing publishers they showed little to no interest so they're like fuck it we're just gonna find we're just gonna make our own publication house we're gonna obviously we're gonna do it under we're gonna do it in lovecraft's memory so we're gonna call it arkham house and they created arkham house in 1939 and the name of the company obviously as we've all come to know by now comes from the lovecraft's fishing town of arkham massachusetts which featured many of his stories so following Lovecraft's death, Leff wrote a number of stories based on fragments and notes left by Lovecraft. These were published in Weird Tales and later in book form under the byline H. P. Lovecraft and August Leff. So August Leff, Lovecraft, he would write a shitload in, his, in in his letters. He would write he would write letters, he would write letters talking about his day, and then on the side note, he's like, "Hey, I have this idea about this thing." La la la. You just write it, and then you go on, and and Auguster like, yeah, "It's a pretty cool premise. I kind of want to." expand on it so he'd write the stories but you But like I said he would give credit to Lovecraft and he always posthumously put H.P. Lovecraft and August Derleth you know with Derleth calling himself like I said a posthumous collaborator so in 1939 Arkham House published The Outsider and Others which is a huge collection that contained most of Lovecraft's short stories then known to exist Derleth and Wandre soon decided to expand Arkham House and began a regular and began a regular publishing schedule after its second book, *Someone in the Dark* in 1941. A collection of some of Derleth's own horror stories, which was what *Someone in the Dark* was, and a significant number of H.P. Lovecraft fans find themselves dissatisfied with Derleth's invention of the term Cthulhu Mythos and his belief that Lovecraft's fiction has an overall pattern influenced by, like I said, Derleth's Christianity. Other complaints deal with the post collaborations. Still, there is little but praise for death of his founding for Arkham House and for a successful and for his successful effort, you know, to rescue Lovecraft from literary obscurity. And you know, like if you guys want to know more about Lovecraft by real authors and not assholes hop the bomb Red Bull like us. Please do yourself a favor and check out. There's a few books, a, a good book that you should, you should check out is S.T. Joshi's "I Am Providence: The Life and Times of H.P. Lovecraft," and the new annotated H.P. Lovecraft by Leslie S. Klinger. Those are um, beautiful books. Those are annotated books. So those are. They went on, and you know they're they're um, they're writing the story. He he would tell what his influences are. He would write it in his notes. So he would write it in his in his letters and through fucking blood and sweat they would write these books and they would write they wrote these so they were so if you pick up these books you'll see the story of call of cthulhu and then you'll see little paragraphs next to it like he got this line because influenced by this story this this line was influenced by this god he talked about what was influenced between like it's a really fucking fun book if you guys want to you know keep checking it out it's it's an amazing book. And I actually went to a panel a few years ago to WonderCon and I, and I was in a panel with Leslie S. Klinger and he talked about yeah, he and he talked about the story. And my my girlfriend to this day, she fucking beats me up because he was giving out the annotated book. It's a thick book. It's like forty bucks. It's like two, three, 400 pages, hardcover, signed. Right. And he was like, I'll give this book to the people, to the person who would answer these five questions. And it was a panel. It was a small panel, maybe like a few maybe like hundred people at most so he's in there and he would ask these questions and i i put it down on everything i know and love you can ask my girlfriend melissa you guys can ask her every time we'd answer a question i'd whisper her the answer and then someone would get up and say it. she's like go for it go for it." i could have gotten that book because at the time i was really into influence like like it's the like to this day i still regret not doing it because that book seemed so fucking interesting and i've and i've seen for whatever for one reason or another i don't know why i haven't i haven't bought it yet but I've read it and I've seen most of it and I need to go check out and I need to get it because I need to have it. And he's done more annotated books. He's done, uh, uh, he's done uh, Sherlock Holmes, which I'm a fan of Sherlock Holmes. And then he did a Frank- Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, which is my, one of my all-time favorite stories of all time. I love Mary Shelley's Frankenstein and he did an annotated version of it. So, you know, like we mentioned earlier and we mentioned in our episode, Lovecraft has kind of had his influence on basically everything from movies to cartoons to authors to games to everything music is not left out like he's influenced so many bands so much so, so many music he's had folk bands he's had bands played on fucking uh what was that fest that's slipping my fucking mind where jimmy hendrix played in uh what's the name of that fest was Woodstock. Woodstock. He had a fucking a band. I think. A, I think a band called the Lovecrafts that played. What? That, that played on Woodstock. <laughs> you know. He, you know what I mean? And like, I want to dedicate. And there's this, like, if you guys haven't noticed, if you, oh, well, I, I don't know how you guys could notice, but I'm a huge heavy metal fan, death metal, black metal. That's that's the thing I listen to the most. And most of those bands, after learning about Lovecraft, I'm like, oh shit, he's had his hand on fucking like the guitars from orbit angel his nickname is Acid hoth like that's his fucking onstage nickname like i was like so i compiled the list and you can find this list online you could go to the, uh, the lovecraft's website you could just i forgot the name of the website i'll put it on the show notes you could find you know some of this list and some many more you know and like i wanted to talk about some of his influence in some of these bands like he like black like he like black sabbath they got an influence from lovecraft like, there's in their self-titled album, The Black Sabbath, the one that came out in 1970, the track Behind the Wall of Sleep is obviously taken from the short story Beyond the Wall of Sleep. And then there's another band called Blood Ritual. They're reminiscent of, like, early suffocation, monstrosity, death metal. You know, they are a death black metal band, and they have an album called At the Mountain of Madness. There's another band, there's another band called Bloodstorm, which is another death black metal band. Think of, like, early Cannibal Corpse, Hello Waits-style era uh, Slayer with black metal vocals thrown into the mix. They have the, their EP called The Quilop, the Quipothic the Necromancy, and they have songs such as The Ugothian Slayer, which includes lyrics to the... which include lyrics talking about the Necromonicon. There's another... The Blue Oyster Coat. Blue Oyster Coat is one of the most favorite bands of all time. They have an album... In their album, Ages of Fortune which came out in 1976, they have a song called Extraterrestrial Intelligence. It's called ETI. And that song makes references to The King in Yellow, which is a famous Lovecraft story. And then they have another album called Imaginos. came out in 1980, 1988. And the song, I Am The One You Warned Me Of, a uh, Lovecraft story, the story of Wisdom, is mentioned. Celtic fucking Frost, one of the most influential black metal bands of all time, they have an album called *Morbid Tales*, and in that album they have two songs. Another one called *Morbid Tales*. They that, uh, and that song it mentions Yaxoth, and then in the song *Nocturnal Fear*, he they mention Agzathoth, Querel of Filth. We mentioned earlier. They have it in the album uh, *Midian*, which came out in the year two thousand. They have a song called Cthulhu Dawn, and then four years later in the next album, when. The following uh, the following album, Nymphetamine, they have a song called Mother of Ob- Mother of Abominations. This song starts with the famous Cthulhu chant the famous Cthulhu chant, the Ia, Ia, Cthulhu Fatagin. Ia Ea. Cthulhu Fatagin. Ia ea, ea Yeah, like ea. that like that that song starts off with that famous chant, and that chant is in the Lovecraft, in the call of Cthulhu. They have a, they even have an album called Lovecraft and Witch Hearts. And then there's another band. There's another band called The Darkest of the Hillside Thickets. Which they're like a punky surf band whose lyrics, they are you know, they're all about Lovecraft. Everything's about Lovecraft. Their album work, their songs, their album names, everything. They even got their name. Their name is taken from a sentence near the beginning of Lovecraft's The Tomb. And that sentence is, I will tell only of the lone tomb in the darkest of the hillside thickets. And that's where they got the name from. They got the name from there. There's another one of my, and then there's another band, which is Death Breath. It was one of my fucking fun... I love this fucking band They're called Death Breath They're like this bluesy death metal With like an old school Swedish vibe Think of like early dismember Hand Path, era Entombed. They have a song called In their album Stinking Up, Stinking Up the Night They're like one of those like fun death metal bands Where they just make fun of shit But they have a song called Cthulhu Fatagen And then another one of my favorite all time bands Deicide Which is satanic death metal at it's fucking finest You know, back in the day when our parents would be like, don't listen to that, that's like satanic, that's devil music. Well, Deicide is like every parent's worst nightmare because it's infinitely times worse or better, you know, depending on who you're asking. And their debut album, well, not debut, but in their 1990 album, Deicide, they have a song called Dead by Dawn. It contains a reference to the Necromonicon. And on the album Legion, they have a song called Dead but Dreaming. Dead but Dreaming, and mentions the other gods, and then in their album, Amon, Feasting the Beast, they have another song, Dead by Dawn. There's another band called um, Dream Death. Dream Death is one of those bands where people give credit to as America's first death metal band. But I kind of still give that credit to Possessed. And they in ima- their fucking amazing Seven Churches album. And Dream Death, think of it like a doomy, slow Cannibal Corpse. And in their album, Journey to Mystery, they have a song called The Elder Race another one of my all-time favorite bands, Entombed, these fucking legendary masters of the of Swedish death metal, of the Swedish death metal movement, Entombed have gone on record to have been influenced by the Hellraiser films and by Lovecraft himself, which is of no surprise to anybody. And on their album, Clandestine, they have a song called Stranger Eons. Their lyrics mention Dream Quest. Uh, those lyrics, you know, it mentions Dream Quest. And then they have another album called Stranger Eons, which is another EP. And then there's another band that I fucking hold dear to my heart, Hypocrisy, which is another Swedish heavy hitter, Hypocrisy are the kings of extraterrestrial death metal with albums called Abducted, The Fourth Dimension, The Arrival, and songs titled like Roswell 47. To this day, Hypocrisy has one of my all-time favorite intros to a song, and that to the song is Warpath. And in their album, Osculum Obscenum, which came out in 1993, they have a song called Necromonicon. Another huge band that Lovecraft influenced, I had his influence was Iron Maiden. Like, I don't need to mention Iron Maiden. Like, in their album art, Life After Death, if you look closely on the album art, the Lovecraft quote is on one of the tombstones. That quote is, that is not dead, which can eternal lie. And with strange eons, even death may die. Is written on that gravestone. Like, Iron Maiden. Like, Like, I'm not surprised, because Iron Maiden is one of those bands where they talk about the weirdest shit which, and like this one of those bands where like they introduced a lot of shit to like the public like they like the like the name Iron Maiden is a torture it was, a, it was a, it's a torture device it's a fucking coffin with spikes you sit someone in a spike and you close it and then they automatically kill it that's an Iron Maiden I don't know that's what it was called yeah that's, that's I always see
3: that reference in lots of shows especially cartoons yeah like
0: that's the Iron Maiden it's basically a coffin and the lid has spikes in it so when you close it it immediately kills the other person what? Another band, one of the favorite band of mine. They're called The Lurking Fear. They're named after one of my after my favorite story of Lovecraft. The Lurking Fear. They're a thrashy Swedish. De- no, you know they're like a homage to the Swedish death metal scene of the late '80s. The Lurking Fear, for those of you that do not know, is a side project of At the Gates frontman Thomas Lindbergh. At the Gates is one of my all-time favorite bands, and they're a huge influence on me and my music writing because I've been in bands, and I still write music to this day. And he's a singer for this, for this band. You know. And borrowing from Lovecraft's very own, short, very own short story, The Lurking Fear, it oozes of Lovecraftian influence with song titles such as The Starving Gods of Old and Tentacle of Blackened Horror. There's other bands like Massacre and then Metallica, like the greatest heavy metal band of all time. They've been influenced by Lovecraft. On the album Ride of the Lightning, they have a song called Fucking Call of Cthulhu. Like it's an instrumental, but it's called Call of Cthulhu. And then on the album Master of Puppets, they have a song called The Thing That Should Not Be. Like that's Lovecraftian at It's Lovecraftian fucking most. And then there's another heavy hitter, fucking Morbid Angel. If Death Metal has a Mount Rushmore, surely Morbid Angel is going to sit proudly amongst the other forefathers of Death Metal. These legendary assholes have provided the world with some of the best and influential death metal of all time. And amongst that endless barrage of music, the influence of Lovecraft is as heavy as Morbid Angel's latest single, Piles of Little Arms. They have a new song called Piles of Little Arms? Check it out. But speaking of Morbid Angel, on their album Abominations of Desolation, they have a song called Azik Thoth. They have on their album Alters of Madness. They have a song called Lord of All Furies and Plague. And they end the song with a Cthulhu chant. Check it out. It's like toward the end of the song. It's nuts. They have on the album Blessed of the Sick. They have unholy blasphemies. They mention yogg They also mention Cthulhu in the album Covenant. Uh, lyrics on the Angel of Disease. They mention shub Niggurath. They have references to like Namatar, the source of... like. They're just... Full of Lovecraftian lore. Like, the, the, the fucking guitarist's name, Azathoth. That, Hoth. That's the state's fucking name. Like, we, and then there's Nile, the Egyptian inspired death metal legends hailing from South Carolina. You didn't, I never assumed they were from South Carolina, but they're from South Carolina. They have also given a wink and nod to Lovecraft on the 1998 album, Amongst the Catacombs of Nefron Ka. And the lyrics are taken directly from the Necromonicon. And then we have Obituary.
1: How long is that fucking
3: dude, list? There's dude, there's so many. Oh there's So gosh. many. Yeah, I was reading it it's to the point the, the H- where I'm like, okay, he, he I'm has not to done. be done. Dude, he and this just... is
0: just the death metal list. Yeah, I'm not going into rock. Nope. I'm not. Go- this is just death metal. Is there pop music? I'm, <laughs> I doubt it. But <laughs> EDM inspired by Katsuyuki. Mm. You know, like Lovecraft. You know, and one of my favorite bands of all time, Vader. I fucking
3: love fucking Vader.
0: Vader. They are the they are the fucking gods of. They're fastest shit death metal. Like check out Vader they ooze like Morbid Angel A fucking Lovecraft lore. They have songs and albums. They have fucking everything. Like, Lovecraft is, he's influenced some of my favorite bands of all time and in turn have influenced me and my writing. Like, at the end, like at like I like I said, like I mentioned a little while ago, I write music. Like, it's death metal. Like, more, it's more melodic death metal than anything. Think of like At The Gates meets like The Black Dollar. Like, shit like that. Mm. It's not technical. I mean, whatever but some of some like i do the vocals for it too and then some of the and like at the end of the at the end of the episode i'm gonna have i'm gonna play one i'm gonna upload one of my songs and that song it's called um
3: self-promotion eh? it's
0: not even self-promotion it's just eh? like you know it's just you know it's just like uh
3: inspired he is by a love craft, yeah man.
0: like like the love title is called the deranged life of saint john which is pulled from one of my favorite stories the hound and the reason why I love the Hound so much—it's not his greatest story, it's not his best story. It's like, an eh. but the reason why I love the Hound so much because it's for the stupidest fucking reason. But the Hound was the first Lovecraft story that I read from beginning to end, and was like, oh shit, I read a story from beginning to end, <laughs> <laughs> and that's why I love that Hound. So, and, you know, that's why I love the Hound. Uh. You know, and you know, and in the lyrics, that, you know, the range life of Saint John, it tells the story of Saint John. The narrator's best friend, who was killed by the Hound, then the story is two people. Saint John is the friend of the narrator who was killed. You know, and the Hound. For those who do not know, is a story about a two-man team of grave diggers who have sort of a macabre museum in their home. You know, made up of all things they've desecrated over the years. And in the Hound, they steal something that ultimately got them killed. So that. So I wrote the lyrics, and I'll post the lyrics up on the show notes. And at the end of the song, I'm at the end of the song. At the end of the episode after our outro i'm going to have the song playing and i'll show you i i think i saw Archie i'll show you guys at the end of at mm. the end of this so like lovecraft has influenced me from like to my music to he's just he's been a huge part of he's kind of shaped me to who i am it's kind of stupid and corny to say but he's kind of shaped me into the things that i like and the things that i'm into cuz he's just had this huge overwhelming influence if it's not even if it's not him directly some of the things i like like vader fucking Morbid Angel like Celtic Frost I'm like I love them they influenced me and I'm like oh shit they've been influenced by Lovecraft mm-hmm. and like I mentioned earlier in the episode if you look hard enough and if you look there's it's like that Kevin like that Kevin Bacon theory where it's like everyone's worked with Kevin Bacon or they've worked with someone who's worked with Kevin Bacon that's kind of the Lovecraft thing with me it's like I like things and Lovecraft, and I love Lovecraft But most of the things that I like have been influenced by Lovecraft so it's like this weird full yeah. circle,
3: and because I'm, and I'm guessing is, in, you've indirectly been influenced from all this stuff, not knowing about Lovecraft. Yeah, and, and eventually it it led to this, you know, yeah. you finding out that all this was Lovecraft inspired. No, that makes sense. I mean, what, one of the biggest things that I've noticed with anything, because I just started watching a show on Netflix called Mindhunters. and the premise of of Mindhunters is just these two. CIA detectives trying to understand and find out why serial killers do the things they do and I feel like this related a lot to to H.P. Lovecraft not so much because of the serial killer thing but because you know the the common theme is we are a sum of our experiences and Lovecraft was definitely inspired by a lot of things that happened in his life that in turn became this unimaginable realm of you know historical fiction that Authors nowadays can only imagine, and I mean, we're inspired so much from Lovecraft with his huge imagination of historical fiction to produce these works that he did. And one of the, the 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 things that one of the people that got inspired by Lovecraft, Guillermo de la Toro, he said that you know this man was born out of his time.
0: He like he was, and like it's it's funny to it's funny to think about it now. I mean it's Still funny to think about it back then. He would go like you know how people to this day like oh I was born in the wrong era. Yeah. I wish I was born in the fifties with James Dean and like Lovecraft was that guy. Uh-huh. When Lovecraft was like twenty twenty five, he was like I was born in the wrong era. I should have been born in the seventeen hundreds. He would go to parties. He would rarely go to parties, but if he would go to a party, he would go to the parties where he could wear. Those big fluffy wigs. He will powder his face. He would wear those old school, like uh, fucking the Renaissance. What yes, the fuck, that, really? yes. You, like there's letters. Yeah, there's letters. <laughs> like like supposedly there's a picture somewhere out there. Mm-hmm. Of, no of, of Lovecraft. Fucking- yeah, like like there's pictures of Lovecraft like when he was a little kid dressed uh-huh. as a little girl. Dressed as a little girl. Yeah,
3: that was common thing back in the yeah, day. Yeah, you I were found that out, little out. Boys as little girls. Yeah, before. I found that out after.
0: I was like, why the fuck is dressed like a little girl? I was like, did his fucking mom hate him that much? And then later, I'm like, oh, that was like common kind of it yeah. was common practice. Yeah. It wasn't. You know, it's not like it was. Figure out
3: what president it was. I think it was Teddy Roosevelt. That was, yeah, he, him
0: too. Yeah, yeah, he was dressed. He was just a they would dress him up as a little girl when he was a baby. Uh-huh. Yeah, but Lovecraft was that like. You were, you were always going to have it and there's always been that people were like I was born in the wrong era. Lovecraft was that same way. He was okay. like I was born in the wrong era. I should have been I should have been born back then when I could have been a civilized Anglo-Saxon talking like Lord Dunsany. I wanted to go and explore like the Nile River and find out this exp- uh, I don't know if he went that far. But he he mm-hmm. was one of those guys where he was like I was born in the wrong era uh-huh. and he would talk about it. I still want to find out if there is a picture of it. I remember reading, I think, Esther Joshi and, like, lastly S. Klinger and some of these people. I I think they've talked about saying, like, there's rumors that there's a picture of Lovecraft in that... in in, in, Dressed in, like, that garb with, like, the pink... You know, like, the white powdered face. The pink cheeks with the wig. Dressed like he came out of the fucking interview with a vampire movie. Fuck,
3: yeah. Yeah, but that's Lovecraft for you. Do you guys have anything else to add before we end the episode? I mean, I want to just finish it off on... A quote from Lovecraft himself in his book, The Outsider. Let me see. Read my face. Cool. And he, he stated, I know always that I am an outsider, a stranger in this century, and among those who are still men.
0: And with that, we'd like to end the episode, and thank, And we'd like to thank you guys for joining us. We are the Weird History eRetails Podcast. Bye-bye. hey guys so up next is a song written by me moses titled the deranged life of saint john a song written about lovecraft's very own the hound which as you heard earlier it's a personal favorite story of mine i'll post the link in the show's notes if you want to listen to it some more and the song's lyrics in case you want to follow along thank you guys very much and as always Ia Ia cthulhu for dying.
2: What's up with the end of the book in The choice of confidence in an out me Increasing what you I'm going to I the to Sacred shielding, blast the young, embrace, embrace. and I'm lost, 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 i from i am lost i am lost i and you i the i am i am i am and it's about this again In the coffin I need a new I can't let me see We're just turned by You're I'll raise the crime By the bitches and the, the, riches the, riches the riches